Welcome to the first installment of Mike Up with Mike Kovac, a new podcast here at the Observer Reporter. And our first guest, probably going to go downhill from here because here we have from Burgettstown, the one, the only, Troy Elich. Troy, the feeling is mutual. How's it going, Troy? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's great, Mike. <laughs> it's great to be here. It's uh, warm in this room. Yeah, it is very warm. And it's only going to get warmer as Troy tells some stories to us. Oh, uh, that's fabulous. <laughs> Troy. Uh, warm and awkward. Warm and awkward. Troy, uh, just got back from Vegas. How was Viva it? Viva Las Vegas. It was actually warm and awkward, ironically. Warm and awkward. It was hot. It was, uh, but I did not leave the hotel. There's no reason to leave. They have everything there that I need. So people <clears throat> ask me, uh, how was the weather? I'm like, I don't know. It looked, it was sunny as I looked out the window. I watched the weather at night on the news. And I believe it was in the 90s. Well, so. it's a dry heat, though. I know, but like 100 is 100. I know people say that, well, it's not bad. It's dry out here. Yeah, I guess, but it's still pretty hot. Now, you were out there, uh, a business trip, I assume? Business, Mike. Yes. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your business? I cannot. Next no. question, please. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I am a rock and roll star, and I hate to, uh, uh, I don't, I put my pants on three legs at a time, just like mm-hmm. everybody, so I'm really no different, but uh, I was there doing uh, business, or as they say, bidness, That's you're, what a B-I-D. You're doing work like the kids. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah, I had a uh, gig, uh, as we call it in the biz, mm-hmm. I'm giving the air quotes for the fans at home. Who'd you play with? Uh, where'd you play? Uh, we, and- did, we did the, the East Side Cannery, it's off the strip. Very nice hotel, uh, hotel and casino. Uh, we worked with Jay and the Americans. Ever heard of them? I have. You're I, only saying that. They were actually just in Greensburg. My the, Berg. The, the, the Berg. The Berg of, of the Berg. Green, yes, yeah. the Berg of Greens. Uh, really, yeah, I think, they, I think I knew that, actually. Um, so we've worked with them a million times. They're nice lads. And for those of you who don't know, Jay you should know, Troy here is lead, uh, a singer and... The owner of the copyright of the Vogues. Yes, the world and famous Vogues. The world famous Vogues, famous vocal group, doo wop sensations, and I think it's safe to say that Troy here is a doo wop heartthrob. Well, <laughs> I would, uh, I would, I, I, I realize this is your show, and I do not want to hijack this show. That is not actually. What I, I want you to hijack <laughs> this show, uh, but I do not call. I don't consider it doo wop because the Vogues were hot. 1965 to nineteen seventy one was their last charted hit. I think a doo wop mostly is the fifties, and I say that uh, also because I feel like it gets us more work because mm-hmm. people, you know, people start thinking, "My God, the fifties doo wop." Those fans are in their eighties now. At least my fans are like seventy seven. So you know what I mean. We're not a little in, younger, little, little younger, younger demographic, much younger. Yeah. Um, what was the second part of that question? Was there another question? I don't believe Oh, it's a little-known fact. Mm-hmm. You remember a play uh, called The Immaculate Reception. Have you ever heard of this? Absolutely. All right. In 1900, in I believe 72? Yes. Uh, there was a game against uh, the Oakland Raiders in the playoffs. I'm not going to, obviously, <laughs> everybody knows what The Immaculate Reception was. But I'm going to give you a multiple-choice uh, question here. Who do you think, and please don't answer until I give you all the choices, mm-hmm sang the national anthem that day at Three River Stadium, the frozen tundra, the frozen tundra of Three River Stadium. I will give you, I will give you 17 choices. 17. Okay, I'm no, ready. I'm going to give you three. The Rolling Stones, the Lawrence Welk Singers, or the world-famous Vogues. Please narrow it down. Talk yourself through the answer if you I, want to. I want to say the Rolling Stones. Wrong. 
but I'm going to go with the world-famous Vogues. The Valges, yes. The people like to misspell our name on marquees sometimes. V-O-U-G-E-S, Valges. Which would be completely, that's a different band. I'm awesome. Sure. I love to see that when I, stroll, yeah. when I roll into town. So when Troy does, you know, Troy's not lying when he says he's a rock and roll star. The Sex, band. drugs, and rock and roll, yeah. pal, except nobody has any. The drugs are like blood pressure medication and, <laughs> and heart pills, and it's really not rock and roll. It's mostly ballads and the, the first thing nobody does either. But you're a working, touring musician. <coughs> mm -hmm. uh, you tour the country. The, the uh, world. The world. Mostly uh, the country, not yeah. the world. Give, uh, throw, uh, give us some places you've been. And, uh, I've been to, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing a horrible job because I keep interceding. Uh, I thought you were done. Go ahead, finish. Give us some places you've been. You're period. done. You're done now. Yep. Well, period or, ex or a question mark? Question mark. Right. Uh, I've been to every state except Oregon and Idaho. So, I've been to uh, Hawaii twice. I've been to Kenai, Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska, Fairbanks, Alaska, Juneau, Alaska, Ketchikan, Alaska, um, Biloxi, Mississippi. I've been to places that otherwise I would never go. Mm -hmm. I've been to uh, Rui Doso, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, near Roswell, actually. Um, I drove once from Pittsburgh to Tampa. We did four shows in, in uh, Florida. This was January two, uh, January 2012. Four gigs in Florida in 11 days, but they were spread out just enough that we couldn't come home. So you're, you're stuck in Florida, and I know that sounds like, oh, yeah, stuck in Florida in January, but I have two small kids, and, and it was hard to be away for 11 days. And then... We had like three days off, and then we started on a Tuesday night, I think, in Laughlin, Nevada. We did six straight nights at the Riverside Casino in Laughlin. And uh, I, I, ahead of time, I found out that it was going to cost me a lot of money to take our, our gear with us. I'm sorry, to rent gear, to rent gear. So I decided if I take our gear with us, this is going to be infinitely cheaper, except I'm going to have to drive. So we drove from, from Burgettstown, well, I drove from Burgettstown, to Florida. We did the, uh, we did the four gigs, drove from there to Laughlin, frickin' Nevada. Do you know how long that took? We stopped in Slidell, Louisiana, uh, about 10 hours away from Tampa to Slidell. Mm -hmm. Stayed at a, a, a glorious, uh, tastefully decorated Motel 6. And, uh, and then we drove like 26 straight hours from there to Laughlin. Did the six nights and then deadheaded home. Sounds like a good time. It was miserable. I told my wife when I got home, I said, if I didn't commit suicide at the end of this, I never will. Now, while you're telling that story, I have this mental picture in my head. Folks, I was fortunate enough one time to be driving the wonderful, gorgeous Ohio Turnpike. This was about 2011. <laughs> I remember, yeah. I was coming back from Michigan. I, was doing, I had done a warrior dash. I'm driving, and I see this big bus. It's in a construction zone, and the bus says on the back, the Vogue's. And so I'm in the passing lane. I get past this bus, and who's driving? Troy here with no shirt on. <laughs> and I, I may have or may have not texted while driving to Troy. Who it may wasn't illegal yet, yeah, though. That's true. Yeah. Who may have texted back while driving. Right. Yeah. So um, that was the mental picture I had uh, through that story. So thank you for that. And, you know, another thing, I mean, you guys have played with people that everybody have heard of, besides everybody hearing of you guys. So yeah, I, yeah. I've had... 
you know, a couple interactions with some quote-unquote rock and roll stars, mm -hmm. none as big as yourself, Certainly obviously. not. When you say as big, you mean nobody's over 250 pounds. I mean nobody with the, the, I see the aura right. and stature of yourself. I thought it was a fat thing. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I know a few of them to have a little bit of an attitude here and there uh -huh. when things don't. So I'd like to know, who are some of the people oh, no. that maybe have really ruffled your feathers while on tour, other no. than your own bandmates, of course? That would be, yeah. <laughs> that would be primarily it. Uh, nobody's ever – I mean, there's been – there's been a – I can't – nobody's ever ruffled my feathers. Mm -hmm. I, I can look at different people and say, what a jerk, mm -hmm. you know, or, um, you know, everybody I work with is, you know, stars of yesteryear. So sometimes when they have negative attitudes toward the audience, not outwardly while they're on the stage, but maybe back in the dressing room, the promoter might come back and say, okay, uh, now at the end of the night, I want everybody to come back out and we're going to sing, you know, good night, sweetheart, or some, some kind of finale together. Then I want you to go up and shake the hands of everybody in the front row and, you know, whatever. And uh, you'll get guys that'll be like, oh God, do I have, you know, geez, I was just out there for 35 minutes, you know, and I think to myself, we are lucky that people are still buying tickets to see. I would I would stand on my head if somebody asked me to to continue to, you know, to be able to do this. I don't ever want to have a real job. So when this ends, I'm I am I don't know what I'll do. I'm going to have to be committed. Do you guys need a roadie? I would, actually I could use some road dogs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll talk later. Cool. And for those uh, also, Troy mentioned Burgettstown. The Berg. How. I got to know Troy mm -hmm. was through Burgettstown Sports. Troy mm -hmm. does PA at football games, mm -hmm. basketball games, mm -hmm. girls basketball mm -hmm. games, wrestling matches, mm -hmm. you name it. I don't do wrestling. No wrestling. No. Well, we'll just pretend yeah. you do for now. And uh, he's done scorebook. Mm -hmm. uh, you name it, he's done it out there. He does it all on a volunteer basis. But uh, that's how uh, we've gotten to know him in the sports department over the years. That's how I've, I've probably known you since about 99, 2000 roughly. Roughly, yeah. Uh, long time. And one of the things that over time he's told me here and there, a lot of wrestling stories. <laughs> and I kind of want to get into that real quick a little bit. I want to know, A, how you got involved in sort of getting the chance to hang out with the likes of Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Oh, my God. That was a story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got started. First of all, I'm, I'm a closet wrestling fan. I, okay, because when you're 39 like I am with uh, a seemingly uh, decent career in, uh, you know, kids – and um, you shouldn't, I don't think you should still watch wrestling, but I do. I will say Paul Stanley was in the front row of Raw like two weeks ago. I'd love to kid. be in the front row yeah. of Raw. Good for him. Yeah. But, uh, and LeBron James was there when they were in Cleveland, I think, a few weeks back. But I don't have that kind of, uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm like the step down from mm -hmm. them. I'm, I'm still above, um, you know, some people, <laughs> I can't think of anyone, but I'm below LeBron still slightly. Mm -hmm. But um, so anyway, I was a huge fan uh, growing up. And uh, my dad would take me to the matches at the uh, Steubenville St. John Arena and, um, and also in the, at the Weirton Millsop Community Center because, uh, you know, from Burgettstown, so that's right across the river. It was uh, too big of an ordeal to go to the arena, although we did go when Bruno wrestled Stan the Lariat Hansen around 1980. And that place, I'm telling you, man, that was I, – I, I, that crowd was – Bruno was a – he was like – was like God. I mean, mm -hmm. it was un, unreal. That place came unglued when he came out. But uh, – um, so anyway, I was always a huge fan, and um, so I, I was in about ninth grade, tenth grade, and they, one of these little indie promotions came to my high school, Burgettstown High School. So a bunch of us went, and um, and after the show ended, I talked to a guy named Kid Collins. I later found out his real name was Mike Collins. He was uh, nothing more than a. I think he did some some TV work where they would. He was one of those guys that would go up and get a, get 
get killed in three the, minutes. Our good old-fashioned job. The jabro. Yeah. yeah, he would go put people over in, in, in a huge way. But on the on the indie circuit, he was he was like in the main event. He was mm-hmm. like a big star, you know, 187 pounds, you know. But uh, so anyway, I talked to him and uh, I said, "Man, how do you get into wrestling?" You know, I had no no idea how you could even get into this. And uh, he said, well, first of all, you have to put on weight." That's hilarious to think about it now because I'd love to <laughs> lose weight. But then I was like 130 pound, you know, 14 year old or whatever. And uh, he and then I went over and I met. He introduced me to one of his guys named. Uh, it, that, that night, his wrestling name was the Heartthrob Rob Monroe. Okay, now the Heartthrob Rob Monroe is Rob Maisie, who went to Wash High and yes. played on the, the state uh, championship team in, I think, 84. And, uh, and so anyway, I met Rob, uh, and then we kind of became friends, and I started to go. Now, years later now, I run into Rob at a, uh, at a basketball game, Bergenstein and Wash High, and I walk over and I talk to him, and I said, man, I saw you wrestle at Bergenstein High School four, three, four years ago, whatever, as the heartthrob Rob Monroe. Well, at that time now, he's working in Smoky Mountain Wrestling with Jim, for Jim Cornette as the gravedigger. So he's doing this, like, Undertaker mm-hmm. type of gimmick. And uh, so now he's kind of a semi-star, especially in that, that Smoky Mountain territory. And he was also running a lot of uh, independent shows himself. So, you know, I said, man, I would, I, I'm thinking, like, I don't know. I, I, I can't tell you the things I would do to be able to work on a wrestling show. You know, I'll carry the robes back to the dressing room. I'll play the music, whatever. So he let me. So the first couple of times I uh, I carried gear, I think, and, uh, you know, just, you know, the guys take their robe off in the ring and you carry it to the back. And uh, I remember Greg the Hammer Valentine just was very, uh, you know, he, he was Wanted to make sure that I did not take any liberties with his robe. That mm-hmm. was a very expensive robe, and I was very intimidated by him because he was just a huge. I mean, he didn't look huge on TV. Yeah, very wide back. Very wide. His yeah. fingers. His fingers are like this. They're like like giant sausages. And uh, so I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm carrying this robe. Like, oh my God, please, I'm, don't anybody touch me. Don't even look at my this robe. I'm going to take it in the back. But uh, so we're in Columbus, Ohio, one night for an indie show, and the, the whoever was supposed to referee no showed. So Rob asks me, he says, now listen, you think you can referee? I said, uh, well, I've watched this enough. I'm pretty sure I can pull this off. And uh, I said, I don't have any kind of refereeing. He said, don't worry, we always carry an extra referee shirt. This thing was really tiny. I mean, it was like, (laughs) I was very, I was popping out, so to speak. And uh, uh, so we did that gig, and there uh, there was no big names on that show. There was like 65 people at this high school gym outside of Columbus, Ohio. And then... After that, it just grew, and um, I started doing bigger shows. I did the uh, the Brian Hildebrandt uh, memorial show in Ross Traver in 1999. I refereed uh, Chris Jericho versus Cody Michaels, whose real name is Mark Keenan. He's a, a chiropractor in Pittsburgh. I don't know if we should add that part. but uh, And then I refereed Hugh Morris against – no, Hugh Morris wrestled uh, Cody Michaels. Chris Jericho wrestled uh, Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor, yeah. the Red Rooster. The, yeah, he was Terry Taylor that night. Uh, and Jim Cornette was uh, in uh, Hugh Morris's corner, so I was involved in a match with Jim Cornette. So, ever uh, attempted to go off script? Me? Yeah, they kill me. Yeah. Those guys take it. It's not like it was. It's not now like it was then. But um, no, you don't. You don't play games. Jimmy Snuka one time. I was. Uh, I was. You know, doing the thing where you check them to make sure they don't have any foreign objects. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so I get down. I get to his knee pads, and I get down. Of course, he wrestled barefoot, and he says to me. Um, you know, he, he talks exactly like he does on TV. That's not like a character. And, but he, he said it quietly so the audience couldn't hear. He goes, hey, ref, make sure you check the boots, brother. Check the boots. <laughs> and, of course, he wasn't wearing boots. So I found that funny, and I kind of snickered. 
and I, I, you know, I smiled with my lips ever so slightly, and he got, again, he couldn't, you know, freak on me because there's people there, but very sternly, he said, you don't ever smile in the ring, brother. You don't ever. This is very serious. And I, I was like 22 years old. I was like, oh, God, please, I'm so sorry, you know. And uh, <laughs> Well, plus those backstories of Jimmy Snooker, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the beauty of Snooker, well, uh, he would tell you, because, you know, as, a, as the referee, really all I need to know is what the finish is. I don't care what else goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I hope I'm not giving away any major secrets here. I think we all know now that wrestling is not on the up and up all the time. And he would, most guys are very detailed with you. Like, you know, I'm going to, you know, catch him here. He's going to shoot me in the ropes. He's going to duck down, whatever. Snooker would tell you, um, okay, brother, if the, if the, I'm doing a terrible Jimmy Snooker. I'm, I'm be, I've become the Iron Sheik all of a sudden. But, um, but anyway, Snooker would say to you, he'd say, if the crowd's dead, small package. If they're so-so, he shoots me in the corner. I jump on the second turnbuckle, come off with the splash. If the crowd's hot, I go all the way up to the top for the big one. Well, now it's up to me to determine what kind of crowd we have tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, like, gee, what if there is a small package, but the crowd's hot? He didn't want this finish, but I don't know. So, yeah. you know, that was all. I was always nervous in the ring with him because it's like I'm trying to judge. And you don't want to ask him, like, in the middle of the match, like, hey, Jimmy, what do you think of the crowd tonight? You know, what do you think we're going to go up top or are we just going to go with the small package? So, I'd have had him go up top. <laughs> he mostly pure, did. Purely selfish. He mostly yeah. did. But, uh, yeah, that was awful. I would always. And then when he'd hit the – I was always so – nervous uh, of screwing the show up even when he'd hit the big splash off the top is I'd get down on my knees to start the count because my head would be kind of near his head and the, the, the his opponent's head I would I'd be like one and then I'd say is this it real quick and it, yeah then two three then I'd be okay you know but my god prior to that it was just like you know you're looking around like well that, that person seems like they're really into this match that could be a top rope but that guy over there is eating his popcorn this could be a small package finish mm-hmm put too much pressure. I mean, I got to read. It's like reading a defense. I got to try to read the crowd for Jimmy Snooker. That's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. I never knew that stuff, and we've shared a lot of stories over the years. We're going to play a little rapid fire right now. Rapid fire. Favorite WrestleMania match? Oh, wow. Ah, oh, geez, there's been many. Hogan and Warrior, WrestleMania 6, 1990, Toronto. Toronto. Okay. Favorite Cheers episode? Ooh. When Gary pretends to die, when they have the, the bar wars. Was that the final bar wars? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Sam thinks he's not dead. He even goes to the cemetery, and he's banging on the, the ground. Come on, Gary, I yeah. know. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Favorite Cheers character? <sighs> I don't know, man. I loved I, – I guess Sam. He was such a suave. I, who didn't want to be Sam Malone? Exactly. Without Sam Malone, that shows nothing, yeah. right? Favorite member of the Four Horsemen who wasn't Ric Flair? Oh, man. I guess – I, li- I mean, Tully Blanchard was so hard to believe because he, he was like 5'7 and like 143 pounds. Uh, but he did play football at West Texas State. He was a quarterback, so he was a legit athlete. Arn Anderson, I guess. I liked Ole, but Ole's become so bitter in his old years. I did not like Luger. Barry Windham was okay. I'm going to say Arn Anderson, double A. Windham rapid had- fire. How am I doing for rapid fire? Great. Right? Windham had a great heel turn. Yes. Wings or friends? Wow. Man, I never watched an episode of Friends. So really, I'm going Wings. I I liked Friends a lot. I loved Wings too. Wings was just like Cheers. It's Goldberg's best sitcom on television right now, without question. I agree. Favorite character? Oh, the mother. The old, uh, I, I love yeah. the old man though. Bev, too. Be, yeah. Bev, Bevy. Yeah. Most painful moment as a Pitt fan. Oh man, <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> we could fill it half hour right now. <laughs> Barry Goheen, 19, 1988. Why do people not? 
pick that moment. That That's is fine. by far that the was easy. Most. Oh, that, what do they pick? Oh, people keep going to Scotty Reynolds. Oh well, that was recent though. That's recent. I understand. Pitt was in the Elite Eight. But yeah. That Pitt team had two oh, NBA first rounders. They were stacked, yeah. Oh, they had got they had Rod Brooken, former Burgettstown boys basketball coach, dear friend of mine, Darrell Porter. They were so good that Brian Shorter was redshirted. That's right. They Jason, That's how good they were. They Jason Matthews and Sean Miller were freshmen on that yeah. team. But you had Charles Smith, Jerome Lane, Demetrius Gore stacked. Oh, and, uh, they'll never have a team that good again. Not talent wise, I don't think. No, they were they were unreal. What makes Barry Alvarez so cool? <laughs> His house. <laughs> He's got a cool house. He's got pictures of himself with uh, George Bush. I mean, I, nobody else. I don't know a lot of people that have pictures of himself with George Bush. He has. Uh, he, in his trophy room where he has the George Bush picture, he has his Rose Bowl rings in, in glass. And uh, I was, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to tell the story, but uh, I, I, for some reason, thought he lost the Rose Bowl. Now, he has recently when he went back after that, that somebody first left. Interim step. Yeah. yeah. But um, that was the last time I actually saw him was right after that Rose Bowl. But um, I, I don't know why I thought that one of his early ones he lost, and I, I – I said, well, you've been, you've won three, but you've been to four, right? He said, no, 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 I've been to three, I won three. You know, he looked, he said, I don't lose Rose Bowls, you know. But uh, I saw him in um, where the hell was I at? Uh, somewhere in Florida, Naples, Florida, and uh, we're backstage uh, during the intermission, and uh, I hear Troy, and I look, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know anybody here, but you know the other acts, mm-hmm. you know, and I look down the hall, here comes Barry Alvarez walking down the hall, I'm thinking. I'm in Florida. You know, this is strange, but uh, he just comes walking back. <laughs> Instead of me being, like, gracious and happy, my f- I said, how'd you get back here? <laughs> what do you mean? I just walked He's back Barry here. He's Alvarez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that's how Lennon got killed. You know, you can't have people just strolling around the theaters, you know. And uh, so, yeah, that was cool. But uh, that was right right after his interim Rose Bowl loss. One of the baddest things I've seen on television the past year was when he walked out of the tunnel leading Wisconsin onto the field in mm-hmm. Rose Bowl. I was just like, yeah. that is a bad, bad, bad man right there. Barry Alvarez has done a lot, and he people don't even realize it. I mean, he foot the bill. when You know, we played a lot of Saturday afternoon games for in football because mm-hmm. there was an issue with the lights, and we didn't have enough money. When I say we, I, you know, the school district didn't have enough money to – it was going to take a few more years before we could get the money to put those lights back up. Barry paid for them. People don't know that, but he did. Yeah. Good, good Burgettstown yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Last thing for you. Last thing? We've only been here for like five minutes. Five minutes? <laughs> Favorite? G- g- walk me through a typical afternoon. This is going to be a little bit oh, of a long thing. Typical yeah. afternoon, Saturday. Give me a Saturday homecoming game. The oh. Burgettown Press Box. You're introducing somebody as being the PA guy for about – well, you're the PA guy. Yeah. Uh, somebody's been running the clock for 92 years. Yeah. Um, th- one of the funny things I – uh, before I have you do this, I was at a game. You weren't actually there. Uh, and at least I don't think you were. But it was a – I forget who Burgettstown was playing. I bet we lost. Steel Valley, I think it was. Oh, good. That was probably a close game. Or Steel Valley or Seton LaSalle, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And um, Woody's doing the PA. Uh-huh. And uh, Luke is spotting for him. Uh-huh. So, oh, actually, no. It was Wash High. Because here, here's how I remember the story. Shy McKenzie soft. It was the game he kind of – Mm-hmm. Announced himself on the scene. Mm-hmm. He rushed for 200 some yards. Big, big day. Mm-hmm. So, Woody's doing PA, and he had Luke as his defensive bar. So he kept saying, "Okay, who had that tackle?" And Luke would say, "Jones." Who had that tackle? Williams. Who had the tackle? 
Smith. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of rotating those three mm-hmm. names. Mm-hmm. And I'm not paying much attention. First, then I look over, and Luke's just chuckling, just having a good old time. Mm-hmm. Woody didn't catch on until midway through the third quarter. It was tremendous. What was he just making? Just random? he was just making random generic Edmonds. names of yeah. of what he would think a wash high player would be, and it Jones, went on that Smith. way. It went on that way for two and a half quarters, and nobody, <laughs> no parents, nobody screamed. yelled. No, usually <laughs> if you pronounce somebody's name wrong, their parent screams oh, up there. Not one person yelled, yeah. and it, it was it was just because as the game, Luke was getting a bigger and bigger kick out of it. <laughs> And we we may have thrown down a bet or two during the game, listen, you know, here or there. So listen, when you're getting hammered fifty nine nothing like we have so many times down there, you've got to do something to make this interesting. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. There's there's been times when I've been up there alone. Uh, well, not too many, but there, there was a game about two years ago. I was in there by myself. I ran the clock, scoreboard, and then announced the game. And I had no spotters, so I have the, all the programs spread out in front of me. I got the clock switch here, um, the scoreboard here, and the microphone's kind of sitting here with everything around it. And yeah, that was like, I, I it went fast because I was so overwhelmed. But at the same time, I was like, I did not talk to anybody. I had nobody up here at all, and we're getting tattooed by somebody, you know. And it'd be nice to have somebody to share this thrashing with mm-hmm. instead of sitting there all alone. Of course, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to talk to him anyway. I was covering a state softball game one time. State softball game, uh-huh. Kennedy Township, uh-huh. up near up near McKee's, uh, McKee's Rocks. Uh-huh. Myself and Joe Sager, who was a uh, he sang old time rock and roll, right? He did, he did, <laughs> and uh, he also freelances for the Newcastle News. Uh-huh. You know, so we're covering this game. The scoreboard guy leaves. <laughs> this is before the game, so all of a sudden we're up in the press box and everybody's looking up at us. So we're trying to keep score, cover the game, and we're, we're both taking turns running the scoreboard. you got to be kidding. Where did no. this guy go? <laughs> he just left. <laughs> so we're running scoreboard for a state softball game. Uh-huh. It was a lot harder than we thought. Yeah. And this is true talking softball. <laughs> yeah. Football, every time there's a play, you have to change the down, the distance, the yard line. You, softball, what do you We were going, is, that, is there two strikes? <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? What's and the it, count? And then p- players would be looking up at yeah. us. You know, and, hey, Blue, what's yeah. the count? Seven, 15 times in the game. Hey, Blue. I uh, sent a letter to uh, Bob Lombardi at the PIAA. I, char- I tried to charge him. I said, hey, I ran. ran Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't take it seriously. So uh, I've always hated Bob Lombardi. No, I don't know. I don't really Steve Lombardi, I always liked him. Yeah, Steve Lombardi, Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah, good guy. Um, I was going to see, could you take us out to a little 5 o'clock world? <laughs> don't you? Can I? You know, I just... Uh, uh, it's a five o'clock world when the whistle blows. No one owns a piece of my time. And there's a five o'clock me inside my clothes, thinking that the world looks fine. Yeah, I can't do the yodel. That's that all we not, needed. That's not me. Thank you, sir. And I think we'll call it. Uh, we'll call it here. And uh, I could have done another th- three, four hours, Mike. Three, four hours. I have three or four more hours of wrestling have, stories. We, we both have kids I've got to a pick baseball up game at five o'clock. All right, well, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, thank you, Troy, for coming out. Mike, I'm sure the pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. In the immortal words of the great Jesse the Body, the pleasure was all yours. Absolutely, I agree. And don't forget, check out Observer Reporter for uh, the kickoff of our new profile series. Our first story is on this man right here. So make sure you do that, and thanks for listening. <laughs>